Thanks to your company on Sports Day. As always, we appreciate all of you who have got involved and contributed to the show, and you can still do that on the Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 Well, Jared, this Sunday, Essendon is going to make history as it fields its first ever AFLW final side, and to tell us all about the build-up is their coach, Natalie Wood. Natalie, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks, Kane. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me along. Congratulations. It's a, it's a great start. Yeah, it's um, you've been uh, obviously two years in the the competition, so yeah, we're we're really sort of privileged to be in this position where we get to take on the Cats in an elimination final. How far off did you think you were last year? Um, yeah, really good question. Once we got to the end of the year, some of our um, attack sort of method and some of the data that came back from that was was really positive, um, but our contest work was around about the mark. But our defence work was, was well off. So we were sort of ranked 15, 16, 17 for the most defensive and pressure type stats. So we had to do a fair bit of work in that space in the off-season, um, part system and also part craft. So we knew that that was probably an area where if we improved, that we could um, start to be more competitive in more games. We actually had Scotty Gowans on from the Swans uh, earlier on in the week, and we, we sort of asked him a similar question, but they were, they were miles off it last year, mm. and he mentioned exactly what you just said, like they really adjusted their game plan and fine-tuned that. How much analytics is involved in the off-season? How much data do you get? How much do the players want? How much do you want? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, what's really important as leaders of the program is that we do spend time diving into the data and, and working out what it's telling us and what's relevant and what's um, really important and then choosing the right parts and the right um, ways to present that to the players. They obviously don't need to know as much. Um, it does help to create a narrative and, and a story so that they um, have something to believe in. But, yeah, we, we do spend a fair bit of time uh, in that, I um, do have a degree in statistics, so I don't mind looking at the data um, and unpacking it. Um, so, yeah, so I probably overdo it. So so is that, like, would you say that's a strength of yours or do you have to be careful with, because you can absorb all of that and you want as much as you can get, but conscious that the players who aren't yet full-time may not be ready for that type of analytics? Yeah, I, I guess that's where teaching is my background, so um, I guess that's where I probably lean into um, my previous profession in terms of um, using that data to inform what we're doing, um, but then you know making sure what we're delivering to the players is at their point of need um, and is enough to stretch them, but isn't so much that it overwhelms them. I assume you're talking about champion data. I mean, some clubs do go outside of the champion data stuff, but uh, it sounds to me if you're quoting the 17th and 16th, you're on the uh, you're on the Daniel Horn bandwagon. Yeah, obviously a lot of data does come um, through champion data and we at Essendon, we have sort of our own internal um, algorithms and um, desktop that sort of allows us to present it in ways that um, we're looking for. Um, But yeah, I guess it all all comes from the same spot really, but then you're able to chuck it over time in terms of you know, what you've been focusing on. So clearly you, uh, as you've outlined, the data said that you needed to improve on defence. I mean, the data can tell everybody everything, but the, the, the art of coaching is clearly working out a way to, I guess, uh, improve what comes up on the data sheet. And that's 
both uh, craft, as you said, and tactics. Where did you start? Uh, we started at trade, um, to be fair. Um, we were able to get um, Brooke Brown and, and Brooke Walker and Cody Jarks across, um, had experience at other clubs. So yep. we perhaps started there with, with personnel. Um, and then, obviously, the craft... Because the season came forward last year and, and we also... A third of our list came from our VFRW teams and we had a focus on seeing that, that season through. So we only had about five weeks of pre-season. So yep. we couldn't focus on everything. Um, and we didn't focus as much on defence as what we did attack. So part of it was just making sure that it was well-structured in, into the training plan and, and gave it um, its due time. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, it's, it's part the team system and then it's part individual craft. And, you know, um, we're realists, like we've made some improvements in it, but we've still got a long way to go um, in terms of being a, a really high-pressure team. And that's, you know, something that we'll look to keep improving this week and then keep improving in the years to come as well. So a trip to GMHBA awaits for you, taking on the six-place Cats. You beat them in round six in a pretty low-scoring game. So I don't know how much you take out of that, but what, what concerns you about Geelong and what are their strengths? Yeah, there's. Um, I guess you'd take a little bit of belief, but um, you've probably also poked the bear there, haven't we? Um, they're, they're sort of going to be really ready for us again second time round. Um, their strength is is around the middle of the ground. They've got you know, three of the best midfielders um, that are just spending more and more time playing together and building some really good synergy. Um, their ability to win the ball on the inside and then um, create some of their outside attack was what we were able to probably... Um, put a little bit of a, a halt on last time and we'll try to look to do that again but obviously not in the same manner because we need to, um, obviously as you said, the score, scoring was pretty low. Um, there was a bit of a wind down um, in Warrnambool when we played so I imagine looking at the weather forecast, it's going to be a bit of a, a nicer day so we also want to be able to put our um, attack method on display and we've got some pretty powerful forwards that um, can be really damaging if we get the ball up there enough. So we sort of also want to make sure the game gets a bit of flow to it. Just gone to the Weather Bureau, partly cloudy, winds northerly, which means straight down the ground at GMHBA. 20 to 30 kilometres shift in. Now, this is important, going, and this is where the coach needs to really get on the money. Shifting south to southwesterly, the question is, when is it going to shift? <laughs> and that's what you definitely need to work out, Natalie. Is it with their redevelopment? Aren't they fully enclosed now? That, that oh, I still no. The wind, the wind still absolutely <laughs> gets down. The, I mean, I just, I would love you to win and kick with the wind, and then you get uh, if it changes mid-afternoon. What time's the game? One o five. Well, if it changes at say two o five, and you get four quarter, you get the extra quarter with the wind. That'd be magnificent. Yeah, well, I'll uh, check in with the weather pre-game and okay. uh, see what we can do in that area. We're speaking to Essendon's AFLW coach, Natalie Wood, and I think congratulations is in order, Natalie. You have signed a contract extension, which is a, a nice vote of confidence from the club heading into this game. So congratulations. How much does that mean to Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it does mean a lot. It's um, Yeah, I'm in a really privileged position to be able to, to lead this um, program, and it's full of t- uh, tremendous staff and, and great players. So, yeah, really grateful um, that I've you know been able to hold the role for two seasons so far and um, yeah, be sure to make sure I make the most of um, yeah, the opportunity that lies in front of me as well. About another 25 and you can catch up the Sheeds. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, got a bit to go there, don't I? <laughs> but if you if you win a final, I don't know if you've seen the the memes going around this week, Natalie. But I think it's ticked over seven thousand days since the men have won a final. It'd be nice for you to get one up and at least have something over them. I would have thought. It's amazing how much for a team in our second year, how much pressure we're starting to feel from these 7,000 days. Um, but yeah, obviously we, we've had, um, it's been terrific to see the Essendon faithful really jump on board, particularly this year. Uh, four of our home games went to Windy Hill and um, we've had the stands filled with old um, Essendon members and supporters. So their support's been great for us so far in, in our infancy and yeah, it'd be wonderful to actually, um, you know, manufacture a win for them and get some joy there. Your footy journey's enormous. Uh, nearly uh, 200 games that you played over, you know, well over a decade. I think it's 15 to 17 years that you played for. And your coaching journey, you've been at Geelong. You're an assistant coach as their AFLW side. And I'm interested in how you juggled the role as a development coach with the men's side for the, for the first time this season. How demanding was that and how much did you learn from, from that program? Yeah, I guess um, it was really good in terms of um, Josh Marnie and, and Brad Scott um, and Daniel McPherson sort of helped set up a role that, that really suited my skill set. I've come from the, the school system and spent a lot of time in school leadership and in assistant principal roles, helping develop curriculum and teaching practice. Um, so my development role was actually a lot working with the coaches and, and working on our coaching practice. Um, so sort of working with a coach for a week and, and going to their meetings and their, their craft and um, winning games, like working with them to give them feedback, not on what they were coaching, but, but how. Um, so, yeah, so that was a, a big sort of step for me. It's probably something I didn't envisage doing um, a couple of years ago. But, yeah, really sort of, I guess, tapped into my skill set. But then at the same time, allowed me to connect really meaningfully with the coaches that are already here and, and then start to learn from them. So I felt that, I was able to offer them something and, and vice versa. I was able to get sort of a lot of knowledge from them. But, yeah, it has been, you know, got to sort of manage the, the 12 months and the, the weeks a bit carefully at times. Um, but, yeah, when I'm able to sort of get fully invested in the men's program, I, yeah, really enjoy working with the guys there. How quickly can you determine whether a, a player is a better learner from the audio feedback or the visual feedback? I guess partly a trust that they're young adults and asking them is probably the first thing. Um, you know, what they believe in is is probably a good place to start. Um, and, yeah, I guess if they're, they're not picking up, um, there's no transfer of learning, I guess mm. the cue is to, to change. And it's probably um, my thoughts is more so not, um, not trying necessarily to cater to each individual, but making sure that we're, educating and presenting in a variety of different means so that we are catching players um, through different mechanisms and, and learning modes. Um, but then also making sure that it's a two-way street and making sure there's a lot of player agency in the learning and it's not yeah. just coaches dumping information onto the players that they're really active learners in the process. And I think that, that for me is a, a really big cornerstone. I've seen players, Kane and, uh, and other athletes in other sports, take coaches advice so literally it's actually held them back because the coach then has probably set it as a teaching mechanism to get them from A to B but sometimes hasn't then taken them to the next step and holds them back so it's a really I've always found that a really interesting element of 
of coaching and uh, the impact it does have on various athletes. Have you had any experience like that, Cone? Yeah, well, I think they're always conscious to when you focus on one thing that you've done poorly in a game, you focus on that and you train it all week. So mm. it might be your backline transition. And so you focus on that, but at the detriment to other vital areas of your game that then drop off in the following week. So overcoaching uh, can be a problem. Natalie, how have you found that the players are adapting? It's, it's in an interesting phase, isn't it, the AFLW? Not quite fully professional, but getting to that and getting there pretty quickly. Are the players coping okay with, with work-life balance and, and the training demands of, of playing AFLW at a pretty good standard now? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good point and probably depends on um, what the player's um, work is or their studies. I think the, the players where there's a bit more flexibility are able to um, you know set up and manage their weeks a bit more than the players that where there's a bit more rigidity, you know, say for schools, for example, um, you know, you've got to be there a certain time. So probably varies from players to players. I think... Um, most clubs, and, and we definitely did this year, were able to sort of go part into a daytime model, so we're not always training at night. Um, and we saw really big benefits from that, you know, players turning up fresh, you know, at the start of the day, um, as opposed to either being at work or study or just sitting at home waiting for training all day. So um, I think with the, the schedule sort of part coming into the, the day, we're seeing some benefits. But you're right, like as, as we go more into a professional model, there is greater expectation and then there is more learning and that's, that's so so crucial for us as coaches in a program that we get the pace of that right because you don't want to overcoach or you don't want to go too far down one avenue at the expense of another. So I think that, that in there is the art of coaching and something that mm. you know, we're always trying to get right and we definitely don't. We definitely take some missteps along the way but that's just important as we ask the players to do to to reflect and learn and um, reset and, and go again. Jared and I spend a large portion of the footy season giving advice to the AFL. So even even tonight we've been talking about the, the send-off rule and off the back of the, the Rugby World Cup where a couple of players got sent off on video review. Would that be a good thing for our game? If you were to give the AFL some advice on the way that the AFLW competition is running now, have you got some constructive criticism over the way things are done or not? Oh, great question. I feel like I've always got plenty of advice and now you've sort of stumped me. Um, I was interested in the, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, the physicality of the game. Um, Brittany Gutnick and I was fascinated by that tackle and that being sent straight to the tribunal. I'm going, that is a great tackle. Like, that is so fair. Yet the AFL wanted that to be significantly uh, punished or sanctioned with a three-game ban. The thing that I've loved about the AFLW is the physicality. I don't think we can lose that, Natalie. Are you concerned that that may be um, a thing that the AFL want to eradicate in a way? Yeah, I'd sit on your side there. I thought that tackle was, you know, it was a really fierce, obviously strong tackle, but it seems fair and um, unfortunate in the the outcome. Um, Yeah, I I hope the, the women's game doesn't, doesn't lose the physicality. I think um, as the players are getting faster and stronger and, and more explosive, we're starting to see the game open up more. Um, and we want the players to be able to hit contests with urgency and, and try to be um, impactful. Um, we don't want them sort of second-guessing that. So I certainly hope that the game's allowed to continue to evolve um, to showcase the, the, the assets that the players have. 
How far has, has the girls' skills gone over the last, say, five years? Because it seems to me every year they improve, you know, exponentially. Yeah, I, I really agree with that, Jared. And I think one of the things, too, that, that we forget that in seven years the competition went from zero teams to yep. 18. And, and so we've expanded, plus I feel the talent's getting better. Um, so now that there's the 18 teams in the competition, like, geez, I'm really excited about what the next three or four years looks like because it's going to be harder to stay on a list for players mm. um, because obviously you need to go to the draft um, with a certain number of picks for the, the young draftee players to come in. So maintaining spots on lists is going to become more competitive, um, you know, more of a focus on your skills and fitness. It's, it's going to be... Um, as competitive as it ever has. And I just feel that the, the quality of the game, if it's increased in the last seven years whilst expanding, yep. um, it's pretty exciting to think about where it might get to even just in you know, three to five years. Yep. One of the highlights of your game on, on Sunday is the Prasparka sisters going at it again. So Maddie averaged 27 in her second season. Georgie is on fire as well. I think she averaged 33. What, are they keen to play with each other at all? And is that a concern that you may lose one? Or, well, or gain one? Probably, yeah, I think um, both clubs probably ask the other sister that question every year. Um, they both seem very very invested and very passionate um, where they are and I think they enjoy the rivalry when they come up against each other but I think they're both doing a fantastic job to, to forge their career respectively um, at you know Maddie here at Essendon and, and Georgie at Geelong so it will be exciting to watch I do feel for the, um, the parents and the family um, but yeah hopefully Maddie gets the upper hand. So how do you do the preparation? And I'll, and I'll take it back and give you an historical perspective and uh, we'll just work our way through the decades. But uh, back in the 70s and the 80s, coaches were so concerned about how long the journey was. The bus used to stop halfway down and people would get out for a walk. Uh, these days, the traffic is more the concern and uh, players go the night before so they're not stuck in traffic. Um, your game starts at one oh five. So, what time would you be leaving home, or are you going the night before? No, we're we're not going the night before. Um, we're we're everyone's making their own way down um, in the morning. Um, we did sort of contemplate a, a team bus, but you know, I think it's um, you know it's only that hour down the road, so allowing <laughs> the players that flexibility to to do what they need in yep. the morning. Um, you know, we, we travelled to Mackay last week, so yep. that was, you know, bus and two flights. And so I feel like, you know, going to Geelong is just five minutes around the corner. So we're probably a bit relieved that it's Geelong and um, not an interstate trip. But, yeah, I think it's the players develop a routine that, you know, they work out what works for them. And, um, you know, it's their responsibility to make sure they're doing that because, you know, the competition's tough and, and they need to turn up ready to be, you know, the best that they can be on the day. So, yeah, we give them that autonomy in the morning and um, hope that they arrive around about two hours before the game. Well, you lost your co-captain as well. I didn't ask you about that. How devastating was that for Steph, Steph Kane, that is? Yeah, that is really devastating. Um, we've, um, yeah, Steph was coming back from a concussion um, last week and in the main session she'd been travelling really well with stepping through those concussion protocols and then um, did a significant hamstring injury. So that's Really de- devastating for, for Steph and, and also hard when you lose a, 
a leader of a young group as well. Um, but she's been phenomenal. She's still doing a power of work with, with helping uh, the younger players and, and Bonnie Toogood's really stepping up um, sort of in that captaincy role to sort of lead the charge. But, yeah, disappointing that um, Steph Kane's not able to be out there. And we also lost uh, one of our sort of key um, small forwards in Dari Bannister a couple of weeks ago to an ACL. So we'll really miss them out there. But it gives, you know, other players an opportunity to, to step up and looking forward to seeing what they can do. I was in Sydney over the last couple of weeks and uh, one of the big issues up there in sport is... The uh, same for the NFLW competition as AFLW competition. That is the the scourge of uh, ACL injuries, and uh, they had a very very strong opinion from one of the one of the new the uh, orthopedic surgeons up there saying that we're on the cusp of uh, a plague of them. Well, we've already got a plague, really, if you compare it to the, the men's game. But unfortunately, with the the structure of the the uh, female body and the Q angle, which I'm sure you you, you know a lot about. It's it's something that is very difficult to see how the girls can sort of dramatically reduce. Yeah, I guess I, I hold out hope that I know there's a power of researchers and scientists uh, across the world looking into it. And, yep. um, you know, it would just be a, a really positive outcome to one to find some really quality ways to reduce the likelihood of that for the athletes. Um and then also the other, looking back the other way, like is there a way to um, reduce the recovery time yep. as well? Like are the injuries, the prevalence of the injuries high, but then you know the rate of recovery, you know, so nine months at minimum probably averages more like twelve. So you just feel really, you know, sorry for the athletes in those situations because it, it's mm. a long time out of the game. And yeah, I I hope that there's people much more intelligent than I that are out there. Um, Yes, finding finding ways for us to get some improvements in that space. Natalie, thanks so much for the extensive chat. We appreciate it. Congratulations on the contract extension and good luck against the Cats on Sunday. Thanks very much, guys. Great to chat. Kick with a win, Natalie. <laughs> Kick with the win and then hopefully you come home with the win as well.